Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big, we go all night, and here, everyone is invited. So get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hello and welcome to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California. 98.5 The Bet in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. It's Friday. That can only mean one thing. It's Andy Bernstein and Legends of Sport Friday. Hey Andy, how are you? It's always great to be with you on Legends of Sport Friday, Arash. I'm good. Thank you. It's always a fun time. This is a hectic time period for you as we're talking on a Friday. Clipper Suns played last night, Kings uh, tonight, and then tomorrow, Andy. Uh, it's I mean, listen, Crypto.com, formerly Staples Center, is your home away from home. It will be your home on Saturday. Clippers, Suns, uh, 12 p.m., Lakers, Grizzlies at 7. What is this time period like for you? Well, I, I live for it. You know, I... <laughs> It's very um, exciting to have all three teams in the playoffs at the same time and home at the same time. You know, they could have been staggered or whatever, but it just worked out that they were the visiting teams, all three of them in their series. So we've been through this before at the arena. Um, This will be our 251st doubleheader, believe it or not. Um, We just celebrated the 250th like weeks ago. And, you know, it's a, it's a, it's an amazing choreography of forklifts, we like to call it. <laughs> it's an incredible experience to just see how the arena can, even, you know, this is not a young arena either. You know, we've been around yeah. 23 years, 24 years almost, and uh, the crew is just amazing. I love it. Um, I get a little burnt by the end of that second game. Yeah. And then on Sunday, I'll have a Kings game, and then on Monday, I'll have another Laker game. But that's okay. That's what we live for, man. We have a whole summer to recover. I love it. Before we talk about this week's um, episode, had an amazing time with you, Pasadena, D.T. Ice House, Byron Scott, Michael Cooper, Jaime Harin, uh, uh, the Bulldog, Goral Hershiser, and you and John Suhu. And I loved seeing the old pictures of you two. And um, if you could take us to that night, what that night was like for you guys. And by the way, amazing fundraiser andy if if there's a website people who can't if they can still contribute in some way absolutely man thank you and thank you for coming Uh, it was it was a fantastic night john suhu and i have known each other for 40 years he was my uh original assistant quite frankly (laughs) 1984 when um i was sort of talked into hiring him by dodgers pr guru steve brenner who you know and uh john quickly just just moved up the ladder from assistant to a great photographer took over for me when i had to step down in 95 only because um, my NBA life was was now year round at that point, and John had proven himself well before that. And you know he's 38 years now with the Dodgers. Um, I'm 42 years with the NBA and specifically the Lakers. So we celebrated uh, his career, his long career with the with the Dodgers, my long career with the Lakers, our friendship, 
and um, all of it for a fundraiser for the South Pasadena Arts Council. So people can Google that South Pasadena Arts Council can donate right in there. We had uh, also the Dodgers Foundation and the Lakers Youth Foundation as beneficiaries. Both organizations were incredibly generous with uh, silent auction items as well as personnel to help volunteer. And the LA Kings even kicked in yeah. some, some great memorabilia. So big thanks to everybody. But I got to say, Arash, and you were there. You probably hadn't been there since it reopened. But yeah. the Ice House is a spectacular venue. I yeah. mean, the people listening to this, you come into LA or you live in LA, you're looking for a place to go out on the weekend, Thursday through Sunday. They have shows, you know, back to back to back at the Ice House. It's very affordable, right in the middle of Pasadena where it's all happening there. And, um, you know, the Ice House was one of the three really iconic comedy venues in the LA area and has been for 63 years. Wow. Every great comedian has played. You just mentioned a comedian they had played at the Ice House. So Johnny Buss bought it before the pandemic. Tore the whole thing down, built it back up, and it's a, it's a sparkling, beautiful, incredibly welcoming venue. It was amazing. All right, this week's episode, the Admiral David Robinson, one of the great players and great human beings in league history. You, you guys chatted. This is a classic from 2019. What do you remember? And when I just say the name, the Admiral David Robinson, what comes to your mind? Well, the first thing I have to tell you what comes to my mind is a crazy photo shoot that I did with the Admiral of his rookie year where I, I literally coerced him at practice, as I remember. And this is back in the day when you could actually talk to a star player directly. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Um, and I, I said, David, you know, I'm just in town for, you know, a day for the game. And uh, if you if you don't mind, like after practice, can, can we ride over to the to the Alamo and get a shot of you in front of the Alamo? Wow. Your, your practice jersey. And he looked at me like I was kind of nuts. But, you know, again, this was the day when you could talk to these guys and, and either it, it stuck or it didn't stick, you know? Oh. And he said, sure, Andy, let's go. And as we're driving over there, it's raining. There's like lightning going off. <laughs> and I've been there with my, in the car with my buddy, Nat Butler. And we get to the Alamo. And just as we pull in, it, the, the rain stopped. So it was like this beautiful, like, uh, I don't know, ethereal, dreamlike lighting. <laughs> and we jumped out with a little flash. And David stood there. It's very simple pictures, arms folded. But it, it stood the, the test of time, and we always joke about that photo and, and really the launching of our friendship and relationship. He's the most gracious guy, dream teamer. Let's not forget how valuable David was oh, on yeah. the dream team. Mm -hmm. And I remember so many nights when we were in, uh, in the hotel in, in Monte Carlo or in Barcelona where he'd go up to the roof and play his saxophone on the roof. Wow. It was his way of relaxing. I have some photos of that. And of course, I covered all his championships and what a wonderful mentor he was to the great Tim Duncan. Um, and, and what a credit he is to that community, uh, which he's done so much for the community in San Antonio, continues to do. So fabulous conversation. My daughter Mimi, who was a, a fifth grader at the time, you know, this is a number of years ago in season two. Um, she got to ask him some questions. And it, was, it was wonderful to relive that again with uh, releasing this classic episode. So I hope everyone enjoys it. Awesome. With that said, a classic episode. It's the Admiral 
It's David Robinson. So, David, let's let's start at the beginning. You know, you had an interesting path to the NBA, uh, growing up in a military family and moving around a lot and not really being into basketball. Can you kind of give us a little bit of a background on, on how you got into the game? Kind of late, actually, right? Yeah, well, you know, I grew so fast through high school. I was only five, nine or so in ninth grade. Hmm. And uh, each year I grew about three inches. Mm-hmm. Until I got to my senior year, I was about six seven, and I was super skinny. I weighed 172 pounds or 174 wow. pounds. Yeah, and uh, and so I was at you know six seven, you, get, you you almost have to start playing basketball. So, you know, my dad retired from the Navy, and I moved up to Northern Virginia. And mm-hmm. uh, the first day at school, the coach was uh, in the the guy. He was a guidance counselor and said, "Hey, son, I don't remember seeing you around here. Do you play basketball?" <laughs> Uh, he, no, not really. I, I, I'm a pretty decent athlete, but I don't really play much basketball. And he said, well, you're going to come out at trial for my team. Mm-hmm. And so that was my first year, my senior year playing basketball with the with the varsity team. That's crazy. And yeah, yeah. I grew into it very quickly. I got bigger, stronger at the Naval Academy. And mm. Gained 60 pounds and grew six inches in college. So Unbelievable. That helps a lot. Wow. Yeah. But, yeah. but David, did you play other sports? I mean, obviously you were very, you were very athletic as a kid, but basketball was yeah, just not the sport, right? Yeah, that was the thing. I loved I loved all the sports. You know, my favorite sports were uh, gymnastics and mm-hmm. baseball. Mm. And so when I was when I was younger, I used to go over to the um, to the after school program. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was down the street from my house. I do gymnastics every day after school, and I think that helped when I grew taller. Mm. So I kept getting those inches, and then but I was still very limber and and uh, flexible and, and, and quick, mm-hmm. and and that that helped me tremendously by the time I got to seven feet tall and. I was, you know, one of the faster guys out there who, you know, could run and jump, and I wasn't uh, wasn't uncoordinated. So, yeah. you know, the baseball, the football, the basketball, I played tennis. I played a little bit of everything, even golf when mm. I was a kid a little bit. So, mm-hmm. so those things helped me uh, keep kind of maintain my athletic ability. Hmm. Interesting. Well, Mimi's going to ask you a question, a little follow-up on that. Um, so I know basketball wasn't your favorite sport. So what made you gravitate toward it? Well, that's a good question. I, I felt like I almost had to play it because I was so tall. <laughs> and <laughs> everyone kept tall. asking me, do you play basketball? Do you play basketball? And I said, well, uh, not really. Yeah. But, you know, but when the coach asked me, I said, well, I'll try. Yeah. So is he very persuasive, the coach? Or I guess he just was looking for the tallest kids on campus, I guess, right? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, when you're in high school and you see a six seven uh, halfway athletic kid come in, yeah, that's the first thing you're going to do. But yeah. you know, it was a public school. It was a pretty big public school, and mm-hmm. um, and so, so yeah. I mean, I think it was. Uh, he, yeah, I mean, it was he was persuasive. I mean, he thought I could help the team, and mm-hmm. and I thought it would. I thought it would be fun. I, I never thought of myself as a college athlete mm. uh, before that. Maybe baseball. I was. I loved baseball. I thought I was a pretty decent baseball player. But mm. but when I grew to be six seven, I I wasn't as good of a hitter. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, you know what? It's a lot harder for me to play baseball now at 6'7 than <laughs> yeah, it was right. when I was smaller. So, so, uh, so I mean, I, I didn't think it would go anywhere, but I thought it would be fun to try. So, David, obviously your your heart was set on going to the Naval Academy, right? I mean, it was in your blood from your dad. Um, were you recruited by other colleges to play basketball? I mean, because I'm sure that you had, had attracted a lot of attention by that point in high school. I didn't really attract that much attention. Mm. I mean, there was a few local schools. Yeah. I remember George G.W. calling a little bit, and, and I remember getting some letters of interest from folks. I, I think the scholarship offers I had maybe were VMI and um, 
trying to think who else had offered me. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I thought about going to a place like MIT. I was a big engineering guy. I, wanted, I, I knew that was a great engineering school, along with the Naval Academy, some of the top engineering schools. So that was what I was more interested in. I think I got a few interest letters from places like Purdue and other places, but mm-hmm. no one actively pursued me as much as uh, maybe Navy and BMI. I'd say mm-hmm. those were the two that were, were most after me. So... From what I read and what I know about you and we've talked over the years, um, you really weren't, like, heart set on being an NBA player, right? I mean, you know, you were a math major. You had, like, aced the uh, SATs going into college. Um, You, I think you probably saw a naval career ahead of you, right? So did something click at some point while you were at the Naval Academy that, wow, I could actually do this for a career? Yeah, well, during the summertime, I got a chance to play with the USA basketball team. Mm-hmm. That was the very first time I thought of myself as, you know, I'm really actually competitive. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. In 1985, I played um, with the, I think the head coach was Boyd Grant, mm-hmm. um, and we played in a in, in Europe. Mm-hmm. I played in Yugoslavia and Finland, and played in some tournaments over there. And and I got a chance to play with some like Raphael Addison and Del Curry and mm-hmm. a couple of really good young players. And I thought. You know what? I'm I'm good enough to play with these guys. Yeah, and these are some of the best players in the country. So that was the that was the turning point when I actually thought of myself as possibly being one of the better players. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought, man, who knows? You know, if, if I could be a really good college player, then you know maybe there's a chance I could play in the professional leagues as well. That's interesting. And then you chose number fifty because you idolized Ralph Sampson. Um, yeah. Did you and Growing Ralph up in Virginia? Yeah, exactly. Did you and Ralph ever play against each? I don't remember photographing you guys against each other. I mean, I know obviously you and Akeem no. went at it, but um, did you play against each other ever professionally? Or no, Ralph came out before I was. Uh, I got you know I was playing in Billy in college, and mm. and you know he was uh, my first year in college was the eighty four eighty five year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't get a chance to, you know, I watched him and I watched him when he was, I think he was playing with the Rockets at the time, um, that I was looking at, uh, you know, possibly playing in the pros, you know? So yeah. I, I remember watching him on TV and him just being kind of more of a local legend. Mm-hmm. And, and that was what impressed me. Here's a seven, four guy who could run and jump it. And I was thinking, hey, I'm kind of like that. I was six seven, six eight. I can run and jump too, like that. That's pretty cool. <laughs> That's awesome. You know, just looking back, I, I see so many similarities between your game and and Ralph's game. You know, lanky guys, but with incredible athletic ability and range, and uh, great teammates. You know, and of course the the twin tower comparison. You know, he and Akeem, mm-hmm. you and Tim. Right. Um, very interesting how that path, those paths, sort of intersected. You know, him being you know your idol. You know, growing up, that's pretty amazing. <laughs> it is amazing. You know, you know, you know, you never. No one ever thinks they're going to be seven four, right? Like right, that, right. The fact that I picked this this incredibly tall, lanky guy. Yeah. <laughs> then all of a sudden, I grow six more inches and become a tall, lanky guy myself. Right, right. It was a, it, it was a pretty amazing uh, in story, but <laughs> but you know, it, it, for me, it was like a dream come true to actually be able to to think, hey, I could be in the same kind of classes as my <laughs> my favorite player. You yeah, know? yeah, incredible. You know, your story it, it, it just reminds me a little bit of. Um, 
of Mark Eaton. We had Mark Eaton on the podcast last season, and you know Mark really well. He played against Mark, mm-hmm. and I don't Mark even know if you know Mark's story. That Mark was, you know, seven four was an auto mechanic. <laughs> you know, <laughs> never, never, never even. Yeah. He's such a nice guy and such an unassuming guy, and that's you know that's funny. He, he became you know on this fantastic Utah team and yeah. a big part of what they were doing on that team. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, and it took a coach who sort of I don't know he just sort of stalked him for a while, and then um, he convinced Mark that he had some talent, brought him you know into UCLA, and blah blah blah, and the rest is history. But um, was there somebody along the way for you, David, that? I don't know, in high school, maybe it was your high school coach or maybe it was somebody at the Naval Academy who, you know, really mentored you, who believed in you and and pushed you. Because a lot of what we do on Legends of Sport is we try to find out what kind of got people ticking, you know, with with Kobe, yeah. the Mamba mentality, what got him going, you know, as as a youngster and into basketball. And, and with you, what was there a significant person? There was, I tell you, there was a couple of significant people. I mean, number one was my father. Mm. When I was a senior in high school, and I was I was six seven, and I didn't even realize how tall I was and how big I was. My father told me when we went out to the court, the local court one day. He, he told me, he said, "You're going to play in the NBA one day." And I just thought it was the most ridiculous thing I had ever heard. I said, "Dad, <laughs> mm. I don't even play basketball on the college on the high school team. Like, <laughs> how do you think I'm going to play in the NBA? I'm yeah. so skinny and." Uh, but he said, you're going to play in the NBA. And so, you know, he was the one that planted that seed in my head that you're capable, that you're able, and mm-hmm. that I believe in you. Mm-hmm. And then I got to college, and, um, you know, I'd say the other person in high school was my college coach who, who kind of got me playing in the first place, and his mm-hmm. name was Art Payne. Mm-hmm. Uh, really wonderful, nice guy, counselor for uh, for the high school there at uh, Osborne Park High School. And then, and then, you know, once I was in college, um, you know, my coaches kind of kicked me in the pants, <laughs> made me work pretty hard. But, yeah. but, the, but you know, one of the biggest influences was probably Lute Olsen in college. Mm. You know, I played on that, that, that uh, USA basketball team, and Lute, that whole summer, would yell at me every day. Mm. And he would be, he, but he was, it was all positive stuff because he said, I, you don't realize how good you are. He said, "You know, you you you're so athletic, but you stand up straight. You know, you you need to get down real low. You need to use your balance. You need to do this. You need to do that." And I couldn't understand why this guy kept yelling at me, like he, you know. But it was clear that he cared about me, right? It was clear that he wanted me to be a better player, and he saw something in me, mm-hmm. or he wouldn't have been yelling at me. Right, right. And so, so that was, you know, that was another point where I felt like, you know, originally I felt I'm just lucky to be on this team, but then when he kept getting on me, I thought maybe maybe I shouldn't just be happy to be on the team. Maybe I'm supposed to be better than I, I mm. think I am. Yeah. And, and so that kicked me in the pants a little bit. And then, you know, obviously getting to the pros, maybe the best coach I could have had my rookie year was Larry Brown. Because mm. Larry Brown was mm. all over me. <laughs> <laughs> and Larry kept me after practice, and he'd work on me. He wanted me to have different skill sets, and he... You know, Larry Brown is, is one of those guys who's never happy, you know. He's always right. like, oh, why can't you be, why can't you? And so he kept pushing me and pushing me. And I think I think all those things just drove me to, to be better. Because other hmm. people saw things in me that I didn't see in myself. And then finally, I'd say the big, you know, the, the big, uh, the last kind of push over the hump was um, John Lucas. Hmm. Uh, John Mm. Made sure I was in incredible shape. It really pushed me during the summer to train my body to be in peak condition, and um, and then 
you know, just kind of let me loose out there in the court. He said, I want you to handle the ball. I want you to shoot jumpers. I want you to be our leading assist guy. I want you to be our leading scorer. Mm. And he put me in a position where I had to use a whole range of skills. Mm. And I think that just made me a better all-around player. Mm. And so, you know, and then Popovich obviously is one of those guys who's able to kind of corral all of those skill sets and put them together. So, I mean, I was very fortunate to kind of stumble into the right people at the right time. And how much do you feel that your your military, the discipline that was literally drilled into you in the military, had to do with... Yeah, that was huge. Yeah, because you had yeah. to have a no, thick well, skin with, with coaches yelling at you all the time <laughs> and the pressure exactly. of the NBA, right? <laughs> well, with the first day I got to the Naval Academy, I remember I was um, running around trying to find my room. People were yelling at me, and you know we had you know, gotten our hair cut, and, and it was just a really tough first day and I remember laying in my bed that night just crying just thinking uh-huh. oh my god what have I done why have I given my life <laughs> over to these people and um and and and, and it, that was kind of the I just made up my mind from that day on that you know that I'm not going to be discouraged mm. you know I'm just going to keep pressing mm-hmm. and and that helped me because when I got to the you know with basketball that was like that was nothing right right <laughs> you know, the military guys were yelling at me to save my life you know they're, yeah. they're like look if you're on a ship or you're out in battle, you're going to have to count on the guy next to you. You can't lie about anything. You've got to be dependable. You know, you don't want the guy next to you to be somebody you can't count on. Mm-hmm. So you don't be a, a guy that they can't count on. All right, let's leave it there for now. Uh, when we come back, more Legends of Sport Friday with the great Andy Bernstein and the Admiral. David Robinson, right here on the Mightier 1090 in Southern California, the bet in Las Vegas, and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Time. There's nothing more valuable. It's what drives everyone to make the most of every moment. We celebrate living large in the now. In a city where time disappears, we create experiences that electrify the soul and memories that will last forever. We go big, we go all night, and here, everyone is invited to get loose and get loud. This is Circa. You'll have the time of your life. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show presented by the Sporting Tribune on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California. The 98.5 The Bet in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network 95.1 FM and AM 760 in Hawaii. Andy, great first segment with the Admiral David Robinson. Again, we just play a snippet of these amazing conversations that you have. How can the fans, the listeners, listen to the whole thing? Well, um, you know, I, I love the fact that people are listening to these classic episodes because it brings back a lot for me. But, you know, these they're timeless. They really are. In our world, we call it evergreen, right? Yep. Because David Robinson's career is so iconic and legendary. So people can find our podcast um, at any of your podcast platforms. Our home base is iHeart, but of course you can get it Apple, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. 
Uh, it's called Legends of Sport. Um, this particular episode does not have a video component to it. This is pre-Zoom, you know, but but all of uh, our, I guess since season four, we've been doing um, video of most of our interviews. So you can go to our YouTube channel, Legends of Sport. And, you know, please follow me and my photography at ADB Photo Inc., so a lot of places you can go. Also, our website, one last place, legendsofsport.net, pretty much has everything on it. You know, all our, our audio, our video, blog stuff, uh, whatever you need to know that's legendary in sports. Uh, we're on the air in Hawaii, as you know. I loved looking at those pictures of the uh, camp, the uh, Showtime reunion in <laughs> Hawaii. And again, I mean, I, I kind of... I, Knew it was exclusive, but really, like Andy, you were the only one. You and um, I'm blanking on his name. Jeffrey Osborne. Jeffrey Osborne. That's a heck of a, a a group to be a part of. You and Jeffrey Osborne were the only non, you know, Showtime. Like, what was that like? I got to tell you, when I got the call from Magic's office that uh, he he and Pat Riley were inviting myself and my wife, it was it was it was it was it was a beautiful thing. I mean, what a gesture, um, and affirming kind of feeling it was of, of what I meant to Pat uh, Magic, the group, the era itself. Um, and, uh, you know, I wasn't invited because I'd be the guy taking the pictures. I volunteered to do that. I was happy to do that. Yeah. And we ended up uh, having a wonderful week at the Four Seasons. If anyone's seen The White Lotus at the first season, that's where it was filled at, at oh, the wow. Four Seasons. Yeah. So it was incredible. Um, 40 or so guys from the Showtime era and their wives. Um, like you said, it was only myself and Jeffrey Osborne who were non players, <laughs> non team personnel. Um, you know, Gary Beatty, the longtime yeah. famous trainer for the Lakers, was there as well. And his wife, uh, nothing will ever compare to it. And, and I don't think there's any franchise, organization, team on the planet that could put together a a reunion like that uh with so much love these guys won five championships in in the 80s Amazing. so let's 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 think about that if we'll ever see that again um but it was great and it was so great to talk with byron and coop about it <laughs> during the spark event at the ice house uh, we had a lot of laughs um so many highlights from the showtime reunion but the biggest highlight has to be 75-year-old Kareem Abdul-Jabbar shooting skyhooks during the oh. quote-unquote practice that they ran. Uh, everyone's jaw just dropped. Uh, <laughs> it's just, it, you know, we lost track of time. You know, we all went back to the Showtime era. And uh, <laughs> James Worthy had a funny comment. He said that Riley was running them through plays, and he felt like after this he had to go back and take a nap and get ready for the game. <laughs> like, you know, it was game night, you know? <laughs> It was a wonderful time, Arashid. I hope I hope we get the opportunity to do it again. Um, you know, these guys, of course, we're all older, but they all have that spirit and that desire, and they might move a little slower, but, man, they're the same Showtime Lakers that we remember. And it's amazing when they get together. I mean, Cooper was so uh, enjoyable to listen to. Him yeah. and Cooper, Byron Scott, when they were talking about that time period and the way Michael Cooper talked about Rick Mahorn. And I can't repeat yeah. the way that he referred to Rick. I mean, the passion is still there and I love yeah. it so much. Um, so yeah, it was, it, what an amazing event. So, Thank um, you. and again, we're, we're hoping that you do a lot more of that with that said, 
uh, an amazing conversation with one of the greats, the Admiral David Robinson. Let's now get to the second part of that conversation right here on Legends of Sport Friday. You know, looking back on your, your career, David, I mean, you obviously went four years at the Naval Academy. Then you had your two years of service before you could even come into the NBA, right? So how old were you when you came in, when you were a rookie in the NBA? You were, what, 20? I came in in 1989-90, yeah. so I was 24 years old. 24. I mean, just think yeah. about it. I mean, guys are coming out, you know, they're 18 years old, 19 years old. Um, yeah, nowadays, it's crazy. I mean, if you think about, yeah. you know, th these guys are so young. They're at least, you know, four or five years away from even figuring out who they are. Oh, yeah. Think about how yeah. much I grew in college, like four mm -hmm. years of college and then two years of the military. In that time, I grew six inches. I gained 60 pounds <laughs> and I actually grew into a man. So, yeah. so so by the time I really figured out, hey, who am I as a person? I was 26 or 27 years old. And mm -hmm. you know, my first couple of years in the NBA, I was still trying to figure out how to be a leader. And, mm -hmm. You know, I come onto a team with Maurice Cheeks and Kerry Cummings and, <laughs> and Caldwell Jones. These are all experienced guys who yeah. have been around. Yeah. And, you know, I, who am I to lead these guys, right? Yeah. I mean, I, it took me another two years to figure out, okay, here's my place. Here's what I need to do. And so it was... Um, it, it, you know, you think about these guys coming in at 18, 19, it's almost impossible to expect, you know, leadership and maturity from these guys. It's going to, you know, Kobe Bryant or, mm -hmm. or LeBron James, how many years did it take them, you know, to figure this stuff out? Six years? Yeah, for sure. You know, each of them got, you know, hit their stride six, seven years into their career. Yeah. I mean, needless to say, you're probably not a big fan of the one and done system, right? So, you no, know. We, I'm, I'm, I'm not. Yeah. Not well, because, I mean, because college is the best time of your life, right? right. Like that's, yeah. I mean, any, any of us who look back at it and we think, Man, think about what I learned about myself yeah. in college. Yeah. Well, these young kids are are missing that time where you can kind of make those mistakes and and that time where you can mature mm -hmm. and that time when you you can actually go take any class you want. You can learn any literally anything you want. <laughs> yeah. And you've got a kind of a buffer, a cushion. Mm -hmm. um, you know, being in school, it, it's not the real world yet. Um, and so, you know, for, for me, I I would I would want, you know. 99% of the kids to experience that and mm -hmm. grow up there rather than get out into the league and then, you know, end up not having any skill set sure. if you don't make it. And your son, Justin, is still at Duke, right? So he's, is yeah. he, is he yeah. playing? He's playing still, right? And yes, he's a redshirt junior this year. Mm -hmm. and he's getting a little bit of time, and, yep. uh, but he's still, he's like me, he's a bit of a late bloomer. Mm -hmm. And now he's finally he's about 6'10", great shooter, um, and his confidence is really starting to come around now. But, you know, I do they're recruiting the top players in the country every year. So he's playing against, I mean, every day in practice, he's playing against Zion Williamson and, and R.J. Barrett. <laughs> yeah, right. And I said, I said, Justin, if you can guard these guys, you can guard anybody. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. You know, you're learning a tremendous, even though you may not be getting a lot of playing minutes, you're learning a tremendous amount. So... For him, it's just been a great experience at Duke. Yeah, well, to play for Coach K, I mean, how could it get any better than that? Um, yeah, I mean, great yeah. school, great coach. I mean, it, beautiful place to go to school. So he's he's just thrilled. He's loving it. Oh, uh, that's that's great. You know, talking speaking about your sons, I I, I really need to bring up um, our trip last summer. Uh, we were on an NBA owners trip together to Israel. And uh, you had your boys with you, and it was just such a wonderful experience, you know, to be away from the, you know, 
craziness of games and NBA finals and just kind of enjoy being together, seeing how much your boys enjoyed being with you. Um, that was a wonderful trip. I, I hope we can go back again sometime. Oh, man, that was, it was amazing. And, you know, I mean, you know how it is when your boys grow up, your mm-hmm. children grow up, and they go off to college, and it's, when, the day they leave for college, you realize they're never coming home. Yeah. <laughs> <They're> like, oh, <laughs> right. oh it's, yeah. it's all changed. Yeah. Uh, so now anytime we get to spend time together, I mean, David's 26, and mm-hmm. we're 24, 20, 20, Justin's 22. So, I mean, any time we get to spend together is priceless. And so being, you know, being overseas mm-hmm. in another country and, and sticking with your, with your buddies, mm-hmm. um, get, watching them as men, yeah. you know, interact with the world, it's, it's mind-boggling. Yeah. I've, I've had so much fun with two of them live in New York City now, so mm-hmm. you can imagine how that city beats you up. You oh, know, yeah. It's a great well, city, yep. but it's a demanding city, too. So well, I know. That's where I grew up. I, I, I was <laughs> lucky enough to get out of there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I tell you, it's been, it's been uh, just, uh, you, you can't ask for more as a dad. Just yeah. To, just to watch your kids become their own people, and, you know, they ask you all the right questions. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I start meeting people, and so it's it's been so much fun. So, David, you know, two championships, obviously, um, you know, the, the pinnacle of, of, of a person's NBA career, um, you know, MVP, all kinds of stuff that you accomplished. But tell me where the dream team ranks in that, in those great uh, accomplishments that you've had and memories that you've had. Yeah, I, I mean, I'd have to put that, you know, right up there at the top. With yeah, winning, yeah. Winning the championship. I mean, it's... It's um, it's a it was a unique experience, right? There was in my lifetime how many how many opportunities will I get to be a part of something that is, you know, in, in many ways it was transcendent. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was. I watch now that you know how much it changed the game of basketball worldwide. Mm-hmm. I mean, twenty five years later, I'm in you know I'm in uh, uh, Australia and mm-hmm. I see the development of basketball and how much it's grown. Or, or in Israel, and yeah. I'm saying yeah. this is this is how much basketball has grown because of that dream team. Got grown men coming up to me saying, "When I was a kid, that totally captured my imagination, and and it and it changed how we see basketball here." And mm-hmm. and so worldwide, it it had a tremendous impact on on, on basketball and, and its history and on, on its course and direction. And so, to me. You know, to be a part of something so transcendent, not, not not even just to say, okay, winning a gold medal, which is remarkable and crazy in its own right, um, <laughs> mm-hmm. but being a part of a of a team that you know, arguably could be called you know one of the best teams ever assembled, maybe in any sport. Oh so, yeah, I, I wouldn't yeah. say arguably; I'd say without a doubt. I mean, I, I can't. We've had this conversation with a million people, and I'm sure you have too. But um, there can't possibly be another team in any other sport. Uh, that could ever ever rival the uh, the dream team. I mean, just the oh, talent that was on that team, and to know that you were you were there and part of it. I mean, yes, you were one of the fifty greatest players, you know, voted uh, onto that squad. But to be part of this history um, with yeah. those guys and watching you guys perform and play and and enjoy being together, I always say that if I could have retired after that assignment of those seven <laughs> weeks with you guys, that would have been oh, perfect okay. career. Uh-huh. <laughs> No, no question. I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, you 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 were there, so I mean, you know yeah. what that felt like. It was it was like being a part of the Beatles or something. You know, it just it was it was you know rock star status. So I, for me, it was just so much fun, and 
I mean, it, yeah, it mm. ranks up there as one of the best experiences I've, I've ever had. I mean, I think retiring mm. and winning the championship on my very last game, my very <laughs> last day, yeah. that's a, then my kids are there and they get a chance to come up on stage with me and, and enjoy that moment. I mean, that, that was great, too. I, I mean, I, but, you know, you, those are moments that are you just, you, you can't replicate those moments no those are are amazing yeah it's incredible so david let's shift gears just um for for the last part of this uh chat that we're having and and talk about outside of basketball and you brought this up earlier about being of service and having you know essentially a higher calling and and having basketball be sort of the the vehicle to helping others you and bowery opened the uh incredibly successful Carver Academy. Can you just tell us what was sort of the genesis of that? Like, how did that particular idea come come to you both? Yeah, um, you know, no, my wife, my wife and I had always wanted to do something really significant in San Antonio. I mean, you know, the city has just been so fantastic to us, and we wanted to build something that was going to be a lasting kind of a legacy here. And I, I've always been big on education. I just, I'm, I'm a teacher at heart. I mean, mm. I, I, I love when I see kids' eyes open up and they, they're, they start wondering about, wow, the world is amazing. I, you know, I loved school. I loved learning. And, and mm-hmm. now when I see kids, if I see kids who don't like school, I just think, okay, wait, you're missing <laughs> the whole point. Here, you know? <laughs> yeah. There's just so many incredible things out there. And, and school is just a way to discover those things. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so, you know, for us, we wanted to, we wanted to give kids that opportunity to, you know, enjoy uh, their education and mm-hmm. and uh, especially inner city kids and 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 low income kids give them the opportunity to get to college and you know obviously this is one of our our greatest wasted resources in this country mm-hmm. is our youth we have so many kids that slip through the cracks every single year and not because of their fault it's because of the neighborhood they were born in or you know or you know the fact that you know the government had set their neighborhood aside to be a bad neighborhood and yeah. you know, because of redlining or you know gerrymandering they they you know they're they're in bad schools and they just not set up to succeed mm-hmm. and it's sort of like starting a race and you know, and ten percent of the people have a fifty-yard head start in a hundred-yard race. Okay. Yeah. Hey, no, yeah. that's not fair. <laughs> so, so we wanted to give uh, you know kids an, op- an equal opportunity to get the education and to excel. And so we started Carve Academy uh, about fifteen years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, started it to you know for pre-K through second-grade kids that you know uh, in, in on the east side of San Antonio mm-hmm. in a, in a very very tough neighborhood. And um, we put about, you know, put several million dollars into the campus and, and started with 60 kids. And you know, now today in San Antonio, we have, you know, almost 14,000 kids. Uh, and across Texas, we have, um, you know, 44,000 kids. Wow. Uh, and, wow. And, and over the last, you know, six or seven years or so, mm-hmm. um, we've sent every single kid to college. Wow. So, I mean, it's been every single graduate to college. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, that's our goal is. You know, we build our schools in the areas that have the most need. Um, now they're, they're charter schools now. We started as a private school, but mm-hmm. we joined a charter school system called IDEA, mm-hmm. public schools, a mm-hmm. few years ago that was started in the Rio Grande Valley in Texas. And, and we've been able to grow it now um, from one school to 22 here in San Antonio and, and 79 across Texas and Louisiana. We just opened up schools in Baton Rouge and New Orleans. And, I mean, and it's, it's amazing you know, mm. the impact. Our schools are were rated by U.S. News and World Report as – the top hundred schools in the country. Mm-hmm. I mean, so it's it's 
we're 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 building these incredible, wonderful schools for these neighborhoods. Um, obviously, they, you know, being charter, you have to. It's lottery, so we don't can't handpick the kids. Yeah. But w- once we get them in there, we can you know we can teach them, and you know by the time they graduate, they've taken you know ten to twelve AP courses. I mean, right. you know they're they're mm. re- they're college ready kids, which mm. is so exciting for us. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we're, hope, you know, we're making a difference and mm-hmm. we're trying to grow our school systems as fast as we can. So Absolutely. It's, and it's been amazing. And I, I mean, I could say without uh, any hesitation that you're such an inspiration to so many other athletes, not just NBA athletes. Of course, LeBron James opened his promise school in Akron. I'm sure that was yeah. di- directly influenced by what what uh, he learned from you and saw, saw you do. And, you know, the NBA Sportsmanship Award is named after. After you, <laughs> yeah, that's, you know, that's amazing. Yeah, and I know oh, you're they, such. They honored me when I retired with that. I thought yes, that, that was the best thing they could have given me. Well, you're such a humble guy, but you have done so much for not just the sport. I mean, the sport. You know, yes, you have, of course, but um, for society, for just you know, just knowing you and, and seeing the inspiration that you are to everybody is just amazing to me. And so recently, you, you started the Admiral Capital. Group. Group, right. So, yeah. What's <laughs> yeah? What's going on with that? Yeah, you know what? We started the Admiral Capital Group basically to be able to tie them to the community. When mm-hmm. I played, I was able to take some of my salary and put it into the community. But when I retired, and everyone who, who's been a part of schools knows that you know schools take a lot of money. Yeah. Um, you know, especially when you're giving scholarships away every year. So uh, we started the Admiral Capital Group, which is a a private equity firm or an investing firm, really. And we've done. Um, We've done a couple of private equity funds, mm-hmm. real estate funds, yeah. uh, and we give 10% of our returns uh, to uh, the communities where we're investing. You know, we started in San Antonio with the schools, and now we're working in other, other uh, cities and, uh, with, with other programs. Uh, we're in Houston, and we, you know, we've looked at some other places to, to mm-hmm. expand, mm-hmm. But, but it's been an, an amazing success. I mean, here we are, you know, 11 years later with... With our business, we, we, like, we go, we've done two funds, about a billion and a half dollars in, in assets. Mm, mm-hmm. and, uh, and so it's, that's been just a, 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 a wonderful experience. We've grown a great team, and we're based out of uh, New York City. Mm-hmm. Um, my partner, Dan Vasquez, is, was a rising star at, uh, at uh, uh, Goldman Sachs and, and decided to leave a great future there to come and impact the communities around the country, um, both, you know, economically and, uh, and on the, on the philanthropy side. Mm-hmm. So, so together, you know, we've been able to build this thing into something that I think is pretty, pretty special. Oh, that's, that's great. You see your sons getting into involved in that or they... my oldest son now started this, just this last year, he's, mm-hmm. he's been living in New York for three years, but yeah. this last year he joined, he joined us and is helping us on the community side. So, great. you know, there's a, an incredible thing out now, opportunity zones that the government just kind of thanks Mm-hmm. that uh, allows you to really invest in areas of the country that haven't participated in this big real estate boom this last 10 years, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, and mm-hmm. so w- we want to go in and help continue to build areas that need the money, the infusion, mm-hmm. um, and, and, you know, get the city together, get um, the business community together, and get the real estate together to, to, to really bring a, a higher value to the city. All right, that's all the time we have for Legends of Sport Friday, another amazing one with the Admiral David Robinson. Hope you guys all had an amazing week. We'll see you back next week right here on the Arash Markazi Show. Until then, stay safe, 
stay healthy. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.